Hello, and welcome back to the Book Marketing Tips and Author Success Podcast. This is Penny Sansevieri with my ever, ever awesome co-host, Amy Cornell. And it's December 1st. I I, I can't believe it. Um, we are... So we hope that you had a great Thanksgiving. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our success mindset um, in publishing show, which dropped the day after Thanksgiving, be sure to check back and listen to that one because we had a lot of, we had a, particularly we had a lot of fun making that show. We <laughs> always have fun making shows, don't we? We do. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely sometimes, you know, a specific topic will just hit a little bit different. And all of a sudden we realize like, wow, we had a lot of strong feelings, you know, again, know. that should be our official tagline. Like Sometimes we don't know how much we have to say about something till we get into it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it really is true. And I think I feel the same way about this week's topic, which is creating a clean slate for 2024. And I think the reason for that is because we were trying to find shows that were really palatable for this time of year, right? Because now look, it's December one, we're all with whether or not whatever holiday that you celebrate, we all have our heads kind of, it's the Friday of the year, technically, right? December's the oh, yeah. Friday of the year. Our heads are kind of elsewhere, but I think it's a really good opportunity to kind of sit back and say, okay, so what worked this year and what didn't, as opposed to just forging ahead on January 1 thinking, okay, I'm still going to keep doing all the things, but um, and hope that they work this year because maybe last year was an off year or something like that. Right. Think, you know, I think sometimes you really have to just kind of back up and say, this is just not working, right? Right. Or God forbid, add more to what you're already doing and not taking a real assessment of what's working and what's not too, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. we hear that a lot, Penny, right? We hear from authors, clients, uh, prospective clients that are just like, I feel like I'm not doing enough, but the list is also so long and it just turns very chaotic and very stressful. And we actually have a client right now and I'm so glad he brought it up because his response made me really happy. He said, okay, I'm going through the report and I'm trying to make a separate to-do list for myself, which is fabulous. I mean, he is reading everything we're giving him. He's taking every recommendation to heart. You know, oh he's really doing the most, but he did admit, he's like, I'm just getting a little overwhelmed because I feel like I'm getting behind and not doing enough. And I reminded him, I said, Hey, you know what? That is so much to take on at once. I said, honestly, if you do, if you tackle one or two new things a month, you know, and really get good at those, you're going to be doing so much more than a lot of authors do consistently, you know? Yeah. And he was so grateful. He goes, I feel so much better. He's like, because yeah. he really thought he needed to have all this stuff checked off the list before his campaign was over in case he had questions or in case, you know, in order to make the most of what we were doing. And I said, no, no, no. All of those additional recommendations are things to help you ongoing. You know what I mean? Yeah. To take the reins back and things like that. And I think it really settled him a little bit. And he felt a lot more confident that he was able to really start working in you know, all of our tips and recommendations and things like that. But again, it was a perfect example of how overwhelming this can get. Well, and I also think that, you know, and Amy is such a good partner in this because sometimes she and I will have conversations about, okay, so, you know, even like our own stuff. And I, 
oftentimes go kicking and screaming into different recommendations. So like Amy will say, have we used this in a while or is this still working? And I will usually come back with my no, but I need it because of, and I'll rattle off like five or six reasons why we have to have it or we have to keep it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really contribute to anything that we're doing for our authors. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't keep the train moving, so to speak. It's just something that's kind of there, whatever it is, right? Um, And I think the same thing is true for the work that you're doing. And and maybe you like all the things that you're doing and that's great. But I know we have, Amy, I know we have kind of a list that we're going to, that we're going to go down, but this is really about taking a hard look at things that you think, ah, you know what, I think that could be better, or I think that could be changed or even dropped or whatever it is. I mean, so an example of this is that some years ago, we were sending a new- our newsletter out. I want to say we were sending it out once a week or something crazy like that, right? We are and, not that interesting. <laughs> right, right. So. Um, Amy said, you know, we were, we were looking at this newsletter and, you know, we looked at it in terms of, and this is what I'm suggesting to you as well. Right. So we looked at it in terms of, does this actually contribute to the message, to our message? Right. Well, technically yes. But when we, what we noticed is when we sent it out weekly, the open rates dropped versus when we sent it out once a month. Mm-hmm. So Sometimes you have to look at this and think, well, less is more, right? And sometimes more is just more. I mean, you think that you're throwing all this stuff out there and and, and people are more receptive when you, you know, when we're, when we started sending our newsletter once a month, I mean, I think our open rates doubled or something. Right. And we got to be so much more creative because we weren't scrambling. You know what I mean? Like every week. Yeah, to put content out there because again, we're not that interesting. And you know, you can only come up with that much new stuff to say without right. overwhelming people. It's why a lot of us unsubscribe from emails. We're like, well, I, I still like that company, but I just can't get any more yeah. emails from you. You know? Yeah, exactly. And by the way, uh, Amy, I think we're gonna start using that as a podcast slogan. We're just not that interesting. We <laughs> I'll put it on a t-shirt or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, listen to us. Cause we're just not that interesting. Um, <laughs> but truly who has enough going on to send out a weekly newsletter? I mean, it's hard to maintain that kind of level of excitement in new content. It's it's that's grueling. Well, and, and the other thing though, too, is, is that when you are so hyper-focused on something that you think is working, but that really isn't, um, it, it's taking your energy away from things that you could actually, that are actually more productive for you to focus on. And that's another reason why taking a hard look at this, at this time of year in particular and saying, okay, in the new year, I'm going to reduce my newsletter sending, or I'm going to do X, Y, Z, or I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. You can start to divert your energy into something that's more productive. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. Um, but I think the first one that we should definitely address, which doesn't necessarily have to do with your to-do list or whether you're going to send your newsletter out every week, but your book covers. So the new year is a really good time to say, all right, do I need to look at doing a makeover? Do I need to start with one book? 
Did these mm-hmm. covers really work? What kind of feedback did I get? And take some time because, you know, we all have a little bit more downtime in December. I mean, unless you have a bunch of people that you're shopping for, in which case, Godspeed to you. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, take a look at the reviews on your books and see if, see what's reflected in those. I mean, you know, hopefully you have lots of reviews from lots and lots of readers who love you and love your books, but sometimes you may find that readers say, based on the cover, I thought this was going to be X, Y, Z. Like I like the book anyway, but the cover led me to think that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good indicator that you may want to look at making some changes. And it may just be, you know, may, it doesn't necessarily mean that your covers, you have to burn them to the ground and start over. It may just be that they need to be lightened up or simplified mm-hmm. somehow or yeah, polished. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think, Penny, to the reviews point, I think that was good to bring up because I think also, and we hear this from clients or prospective clients, I should say a lot. My reviews, I have some really good reviews, but I'm just not getting a lot of traction, a lot of engagement. And I think that's sometimes another indicator that your book as a product on a first impression is not serving you well, you know? Because if people are telling you, like, and actually the people that do get the book and your reviews are really great, you have to kind of start thinking like, well, then why is this not picking up more steam? You know what I mean? Especially if you're marketing, if you're putting in the effort to get your book some exposure, you're putting it out there, it very likely could be an issue with your first impression. And a lot of times that plays heavily into your book cover. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually really, you know, it's, it's a fun time to also kind of play detective. So if you're sitting, you know, if you're in a situation where you're like, you know, why why are these books just not selling? It could be, could certainly be the book covers, but it could also be that your energy is being put into something that isn't necessarily leveraging you more readers or driving more readers to your Amazon book page or really serving your books at all, right? So, you know, that's another that's another reason that you really want to take a good, um, that you want to take a really good long look at, at, what you're doing. And I talk to authors all the time who say to me, yeah, you know, I've been doing X, Y, Z, but I really think I need to drop it because if you're having those kinds of conversations, even just with yourself, Mm -hmm. then it's a really good, and, and, you know, if you want to spend some time on the phone, reach out to us and we can certainly set up some coaching. And this isn't a plug for phone coaching because I don't do, I don't have a lot of time to do a ton of it. So we do it very selectively, but when I do get on the phone with authors, which I do love doing, absolutely, a lot of times we have those hard conversations about, you know, I felt like this is just not really leveraging me X, Y, Z. And I'm telling you right now, if you have a feeling, it's probably, you know, something in your brain's trying to tell you, you got to drop that or you have to move on or you have to focus your energy elsewhere. And it could mm-hmm. be that's why you have, you know, lackluster book sales because your energy is not focused in the right place. Absolutely. Um, Amy, do you want to take the website one? Because I'll, I'll tell our listeners I'm feeling super triggered by the word website <laughs> this week. We uh, we were we were moving our site to a new hosting company and we had all kinds of disasters. So I'm, I'm very fragile. So I don't want to take the website. <laughs> She's talked websites enough this week. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I know so much about. Let's just do a, let's do just do a total geek site. Um, 
a geek conversation and really bore people to death uh, because I know more about websites than I ever really wanted to. So there you go. I know, isn't that scary? But yeah, yeah, so your website on a very basic level, do a really honest, objective review of everything that you've put on it to date. You know, is it current? Check your links, double check. And we've talked about this before on different shows. If you're linking to social media, but you're not using that social media, if that social media doesn't make you look better or more interesting or or smarter or, you know, insert all the adjectives, if it's not serving you well and enhancing your brand, then pull it off there. It's not the end of the world. You can always add a link to your social once you get to the point where you're spending more time on those accounts and it's actually helping you. Yeah. So check those links. Double check that your forms are working. You know, it, it sounds so simple, but this is the time to do all of the things. Double check your bio. I mean, if it, if you haven't touched it in over a year, let alone when you made the site, if you've had your site for a while, I guarantee there's got to be something else you can add to jazz it up a little bit. You know, it's kind of like when you go over your same content, every time you do it, you could potentially make some tweaks to make it better, you know? So take time to look at your bio, double check if you have a media page that everything is current on there. If you've gotten more reviews an interview, um, a link to a feature, make sure that's up to date. And then also, you know, a next level would be to do some, you know, competitive market research, check out some other authors that are doing really well, that are hitting the bestseller list, go to their website, see what they're doing. See how their site is set up. And they're not all going to be showstoppers by any means. But again, be really objective and see what's working for them. Because again, that next level option may be to make some tweaks to your own website. Because again, it shouldn't be good enough. You know, your website is literally like your storefront, your business. It's your home base. It is not an area where you want to be good enough. It's where you want to be exceptional. Yeah. No, that's a very that's a very good point. And I think it's a really good opportunity to to check the things, you know, check the things that that we often forget. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things that authors forget on their website, believe it or not, is their contact information. So whether you have a contact form or whether you have an email to reach out, it's amazing to me how many author websites that I look at that don't have any kind of contact information. So I think that's, you know, that's also a really good opportunity to add to 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 add that because I mean, what why have a even why even have a website if people can't you know reach out to you, and right. you know yeah I think it's also a good opportunity to to take a look and see if it, it are did all of your media or blurbs or whatever you got whether you got a nomination for an award or you won, you know, I don't even care if you won the award or you got second place or an honorable mention. Did all of that get mentioned on your website? Because we get so busy with, I mean, I know I do, right? Yeah. We get so busy with stuff. We're like, oh my gosh, I have to add that. I mean, thank goodness that, you know, Amy keeps track of all of our author blurbs because thankfully we get lots and lots of positive reviews from authors. And because we want to add those to our website, if it were up to me, I would forget every single time. Right. So, well, and Penny, I mean, you know, it, we realize this is, it's easy to forget this stuff. So don't beat yourself up. I mean, we're a village here and we actually have on our internal calendar, a reminder for us to go through and double check, you know, all of Penny's book pages. 
Yeah. Double check. You know what I mean? Like we very proactively set reminders at regular intervals to go put eyes on things like that because it it is it's easy to forget to update things. And hopefully you have enough positive, you know, things happening in your, you know, for your author brand that you actually do have things to add at least a few times a year. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But it's easy to forget. And you know, we use a system called Basecamp, which uh, is, I think for a single user is fairly inexpensive. It's a great way to track this stuff too. So, you know, if you're doing all this stuff by yourself and maybe updating your own website, save the blurbs, throw them in Basecamp, and then, you know, every quarter or something, get those added to your website. But that's a great, it's a system that we very, very much rely on because if we had to rely on my scribbled notes on my notepad at my desk and my memory, we would never get, <laughs> we would live oh, literally. Yeah. I use Basecamp for everything. Even if it's something I know I'm going to finish before the end of the day, I will still put it in or that I plan to finish before the end of the day. I will often still put it in Basecamp because then it's in writing somewhere in case something does come up, you know, and it doesn't get completely lost. in right. the ether. But yeah, Basecamp is really inexpensive. I just had to look it up because we were talking about it, but you can get it as a single user for $15 a month. And for the amount of potential, you know, stress it can cause to keep track of all of this stuff, it's absolutely worth it. And it's, it's very intuitive and user-friendly, I promise. Yeah. And you can even like, if you're working with a VA or something, you can even use it and assign tasks to that VA or something like Mm -hmm. that. So it's, it's a great, it's a great system. And I think that part of you know, kind of creating a clean slate is also looking at your system. So what are you, you know, because I mean, most of us, you know, unless you're retired or you're making a ton of money off of your books, most of us have day jobs, right? And keeping track of all the things and working a full-time job isn't always the easiest thing in the world. So get some tools, spend a little bit of money, get some tools that can really help you to, so you're not having to rely on, oh my gosh, I forgot to do X, Y, Z because there's always going to be something that doesn't get done on your to-do list, unfortunately, at least on mine. Um, I think the next thing to look at is your book genre, right? And I think that this is a really big one. We've done shows on this. We mentioned this quite a bit. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, I cannot emphasize enough how many authors are sitting in the wrong genre. And I think that the new year, new year, new you is a good Mm -hmm. opportunity for you to have a really solid conversation with yourself and say, am I really in the right genre for my book? Is this really the place that I should be? Because again, if you're sitting here and you're, you're thinking, well, my website's great. My book covers are great, but my book is still not selling. That's an end of year conversation that honest conversation that you need to have that maybe your book is not sitting in the right genre, Mm -hmm. you know, because we do see this a lot. And here's the other thing that we see too. So, and, and I want to say we've done a show on this or we've mentioned this in a show. So if your book is about a former, let's say the protagonist is a former Olympic athlete, right? swimming champion, whatever. Um, This book is not a swimming guide. I I don't know how to else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, Amy, you probably can explain this better, but we get a lot of authors 
who have, now there are elements of it. So we're not necessarily talking about elements of interest to the reader. We're talking about when an author has a protagonist or something that, and they want to try and make a thing out of it. I mean, Amy, yeah. maybe you can explain this better than I can. No. Well, and it's funny because this is definitely faded out a little bit, I think, but we had a huge surge of two, three years ago. And again, my, my sense of time is very twisted. So (laughs) Penny may be able to correct me, but I want to say it was a few years ago, Penny, where we saw a huge increase in, um, books that had underlying themes of environmentalism. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that was a huge thing that people were working into a lot of different genres technically. I mean, we were seeing thrillers with it. We were seeing romance, you know what I mean? And then these authors would want to put a book like, oh no, like I feel really, and that's where you usually have kind of, that's the first kind of hint that something might be going awry because if we're going to be really honest, a lot of times the author will tell us, I feel very strongly about this subject. This is where I think my book needs to be. And that you feeling strongly about something does not mean it belongs in that genre. You know what I mean? Right. And underlying tones of something in your book does not mean it belongs in that genre. You know what I mean? A genre is really for the primary purpose, focus, theme of your book, the topic. You know what I mean? That's what really a, you know, a genre is. And then, you know, this will lead into our next piece. But once you start pitching it and you're dealing with the emotional appeals, that's where you can bring all these other elements in to ensure that you're connecting with the right potential readers, but your genre is really, that is a thing. You know, it's, it's not something that is as flexible as some authors like it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a, um, it is something that, um, a lot of times gets misinterpreted and sometimes Mm -hmm. authors will all get on the phone with somebody and they'll say, I'll ask them what their genre is. And they'll ask me to, tell them what their genre is. And I I literally have no idea. So if you're struggling, like if you're thinking, oh, you know, maybe they're onto something, this might not be, um, you know, I might be sitting in the wrong genre. That's a great question for, you know, if you have a reader group or if you have a a trusted editor that you feel like you can go to, Mm -hmm. um, to say, Maybe I need to, maybe I need to move this book into a different, mm-hmm. you know, a different area on Amazon. And it's, it's a good, funny. Hmm? Oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, no I was going to say, I think we see this also, this gets, there's a lot of gray areas when you start getting into memoir as well. Yeah. And memoir, self-help, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's like, we, we understand what the authors mean that they're, you know, they want people to get something out of their book, but really to have a truly self-help title. I mean, that really comes into play in how the book is structured, the content, the branding, you know what I mean? There's so many levels that make a book officially a self-help title that belongs in a self-help category or subcategory. And we see a lot of that gray area too with memoirs and things like that. And like that inspirational, like that gets to be a gray area for a lot of people too, that we understand where you're coming from, but 
like Penny, you already said, you may not be getting enough traction there. And that's why that could be a reason why you're not seeing a lot of return on your effort is because that genre just really isn't as spot on as you would like it to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's a good opportunity to really kind of, and look at other similar books in your market and see how you match up. I mean, sometimes it takes even just a small change to your genre, you know, maybe a different subgenre or something like that to mm-hmm. make all the difference in the world. And yeah. then, you know, with that, and Amy, you know, you're going to lead off the pitch and you kind of alluded to it, but um, your book pitch probably needs work. Yes. Absolutely. And again, the pitch, I mean, there's a lot of different elements we'll cover with this, but just to piggyback on the genre thing, you know, like I said, there's a lot going on. We realize books are very, a lot of books are very dynamic. There's a lot of undercurrents. There's a lot of subtopics. There's a lot of different themes that you could potentially work in that are strong enough to be appealing to certain readers, but, you know, working those into your pitch and being really smart about customizing your pitch with those things that you say, like, these are the top things that I think my book, that's really important to my book. And these are the readers, you know, having separate pitches instead of using a one size fits all to speak to all of these different angles that again, aren't appropriate for your genre, but can absolutely be appropriate for the pitches you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think that um, taking a hard look at what you've been putting out there. So not just the, 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 the topic, but the subject line, right? Because the subject line, the email subject line is very important to get people to get people's attention. How long is your pitch, right? Mm-hmm. So we get pitched on all kinds of stuff, even though we don't have guests on this podcast and we don't have guest bloggers typically on our website. And some of these pitches are just so long. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're so long. And if you have to go, if you, if you have to say what you need to, if you have to, if your core message is longer than one paragraph, then your core message needs to be whittled down a bit because that is maybe also why you're not getting the kind of responses to your book pitches. Yeah, that's a very good point, Penny. We had a, um, an author reach out to us. It was actually on behalf of, so it was somebody on behalf of the author. He was helping the author, but still, um, it was really interesting. And I, I had to tell him like, this is just not going to work as is. Cause when I asked what the book was about, because it was definitely a, um, kind of a controversial topic at face value. So I said, tell me more about the book. And their response was like, well, it's really hard, you know, and you know, but that is a perfect example of then something's wrong. You know what I mean? Like you just said, like, if you can't quickly and easily explain what's super amazing about your book, then you need to work on that pitch and you have some homework to do. Uh, yeah, that's actually, that's actually a very, very good point. And that's, that's, that's really spot on to what we're talking about. It is also, sometimes I know it's difficult to get a grasp on what your book is about. And we have, I'm not necessarily saying that you want to spend every waking moment of your holiday listening to our shows, but we hope that you do. And if you do, please leave a review. But um, we've done shows on elevator pitches before. 
And one of the things that elevator pitches helps that an elevator pitch helps you to do is it really helps to crystallize what not only what your book is about, but what are the important pieces that need to be in your book pitch. And of all of the things that we could spend time on the phone with, as I said, I don't do a huge amount of phone coaching, but we do it selectively. I love talking about elevator pitches because it's really fun to get an author from, here's my three-page pitch that I send to the media down to, here is your five-line pitch now that you can send out and get more media. Because the other thing to consider too is that whoever you're pitching, sadly, is far less interested in your book than you are. In order to make them, I mean, no, I love that. It's very true. It's, it's, you know, I mean, and in order to get them interested, you can really only share one aspect, the cornerstone of your book, that without that piece of it, the, the book simply would not exist. And I would say the same thing is true for nonfiction. Like, if you think nonfiction authors that you're getting a pass on this, you absolutely are not. Because so many times when I get on the phone with a nonfiction author and they'll say, um, my book is about such and such. And I'm like, well, okay, so how is this book different from every other book out there on this topic? And whatever the topic is, it could be dieting or dating or saving money or starting a business or whatever. How is this book different? And I'm asking that not to be a smart aleck, but because I'm. Well, I want to see how well that the author, how objective that the author can be about their own book, which is hard. I get it. It's very, very hard to do, but it is something crucial for your pitch. So that's a, you know, man, if you're really, if everything else that you've checked all the boxes on everything else and you're thinking, this is where I really struggle, it's a, it's a good time to really sit down. And, you know, I'll tell you something, if you're not clear on, what an elevator pitch is, take a look at some of the best-selling books, whatever your genre is, in your genre, on Amazon, and take a look at their book descriptions. Because I can guarantee you, if they're on the bestseller list, they probably have exceptionally written book descriptions with that, which then can be used for pitches in almost every case. And they probably also have fantastic elevator pitches that literally pull you in. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what we are talking about when we talk about your book pitch. Yes. I think the, especially the elevator pitch for fiction is so important because like you alluded to, Penny, if you're just copying, I mean, unless your book description is just absolute perfection, just copying and pasting what they can already find on their own by clicking, doesn't show that you're putting a lot of thought into their interests, what should appeal to them. You know what I mean? So go above and beyond that and give them more Give them something, whether it's insider information, prove that you've read their site or some of their content before. Mention that you know, you realize that they liked X title. And since they like that title so much, here's why you're going to love my book. And then for nonfiction, again, don't just use your book description. We've done, again, Penny's mentioned, we've done so many shows on this specifically. So I hate to harp on it, but if you've written nonfiction, prove that you can tie your area of expertise or your book into something interesting going on right now for your topic or in the news or something that's making the rounds in your industry and use that to prove how you have something unique and different to say. 
Yeah. Yeah. These are the kind of things that make a pitch stand out versus just a standard press release where you basically are including everything that that person could go get on their own, you know, give them some insider information that only you as the author can provide. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I will say that, um, and I know this isn't necessarily the topic of the show, but if you're looking to 2024 with so much excitement because you have a book that you're releasing, remember that whatever your planned release date is, it needs to be well ahead of whatever you're, if you're trying to target something, whether it's Valentine's Day or, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe next year is an election year. <laughs> I feel like every year is an election year. It's got right. So, oh my gosh, it's got to be so out of control. <clears throat> If you're targeting something for November of next year, your book had better come out in January. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, because planning is, and we have a show, we actually just did a show on this too. Timing and planning, go find it in wherever you're listening to podcasts. Um, This is a really good opportunity to maybe adjust your schedule accordingly too for your- Oh yeah, that's a great bonus tip that we didn't have on our notes. I know. (laughs) Sorry, I just keep that. that, that, that from, no, I just thought of that when you were talking. Yeah, when you were talking about um, Amy, do you want to take the next one, the social media one? Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of touched on social media when we talked about the website. So, if you're only using it half assed, you need to figure out like, are you going to commit to it? Are you going to commit to one, which is typically, you know, what we recommend, unless it makes a lot of sense for you to be in multiple places, meaning your target readers are in fact, using a broad range of different social media platforms. Usually that's not the case though. Usually there is like a primary one where your target reader market likes to hang out and do their social media thing. So if you're going to focus on it, really narrow down. I think, you know, if you're going to do something different and better in the new year, one, have a plan. So, wow, look how good we are. Penny mentioned the timeline. Here we go again. (laughs) Create a plan, figure out what kind of content and don't just post frivolously. I think that would be the number one change for next year. Don't just post to check it off your list. Figure out a plan and really, really get thoughtful about the kind of content your readers, your potential readers want to be seeing when they get on social media. So if your readers are using Instagram a lot, why do those people use Instagram? You know what I mean? Are they there to find some funny, lighthearted memes? Are they there for lifestyle tips and advice? Are they parents that are looking for parenting things? And again, you might be thinking like, well, yeah, but parenting has nothing to do with the, you know, holiday romance I wrote. But if your readers are parents... You can't just post about your book 24-7. That's going to get old and people are going to stop following you. You know, it's kind of like the predictable newsletter. They're going to stop opening it if they think they already know what you're going to say every single time. Yeah. So if you're trying to connect with parents, post funny memes about parenting. Post, you know what I mean? Share like timely, um, seasonally appropriate crafts and things like that. You know what I mean? Like think outside of the box about, again, what you can really provide your target reader market that will make them go, huh, this account is actually pretty cool or very interesting, or I I need to start following this for sure and paying better attention because their content's really funny or really useful. You know, I mean, that's why 
Penny, you have such a great, you have a lot of diversity in your social media. And it's, you know, again, it's, it's kind of a, a team effort, but it's very intentional. You know, yeah. we don't want to just hammer people with book marketing homework day after day, because we know that's exhausting and people would stop paying attention. So like, Oh, I can't watch Penny's account because she's going to tell me I'm not doing enough stuff. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And my, my personal account, if you follow me there is it's very, it's very intentional. Um, people know what I do, you know, they follow me because we met at a conference or maybe they heard about the company or my books or whatever, but I'm very intentional on my social media. And I think that, you know, this is your window to dump any platform that is not, you know, dump any platform that's not serving you, your readers, or, you know, keeping the train moving, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. And there again, you know, these are conversations that I have with Amy about, you know, because we, when threads happen, of course, I emailed her right away and I'm like, oh, I need to be on threads. I should be on threads. <laughs> and Amy was very wisely said, you know, why don't we wait and see what happens? Because there are a number of um, social media sites that have cropped up that, don't really get they don't they don't get any wind in their sails so to speak they don't get a lot of momentum and then you invest a lot of time in them mm-hmm. creating a platform creating a message and then they don't really go anywhere or they don't serve you in that way right and we you know another for us specifically we have to consider our authors using threads to find the information they need you know because that's a big thing too for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is a big so, thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So same thing for, for, for y'all listening, you know, yes, it gets exciting to think of using different platforms or a new one crops up and you're maybe like, well, oh, that one sounds a lot easier than using Facebook. Cause that's taking a lot of work, but you really have to consider again, is that where my people are hanging out? And if they are, then it makes sense. But if it's yeah. a stretch, then you're probably going to be spinning your wheels and wasting a lot of time and not getting any return for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of time, Amy, do you want to take the next to last one? <laughs> sure. So this isn't, I, I like this one because again, like I think if anything, Penny, you and I are pretty good at being realistic, you know? Now I am, but <laughs> I wasn't, <laughs> <I> wasn't before. <laughs> but truly think about, I think when you're figuring out what changes you need to make prioritize when you start figuring out what your marketing plan is going to look like for the new year, when you really assess what's working, what's not, everything we've been talking about. You also need to get really honest with yourself about the time you have to do all of these things. And it's not about just doing what you want, because obviously, if that were the case, it's like, well, no, like you, you can't spend 10 minutes a month marketing, call that good. Like realistically, that's not going to help you at all. But you really have to get realistic about what your priorities are, how much time you really need to spend doing that, work that into your marketing plan, keep yourself accountable. Um, have we mentioned our our planner yet? Usually that's like one of the first things we say for shows like this. I hope most of you have it already, but we have a great planner that is really broken up. Yeah. Yeah. It's broken up into different prompts and things like that. So it's not just a blank sheet of paper that we slapped our, our logo on. Like we actually separated it out to really give you some direction on what to put on there. But 
yeah, get real about the time you have to spend doing this and whether or not you owe it to yourself to carve out a little bit more time. But if you're organized, the more time is going to serve you really well. And you will start getting positive feedback from that, whether it's more reviews, more sales, more responses from uh, bloggers and thought leaders, you know, so spending more time, you are going to feel rewarded for it. But you really got to get realistic about what you have to put in to get back and also where you're spinning your wheels. Like Penny mentioned at the opening of the show, like sometimes it's about cutting back and spending less time to make something better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's also, you know, in line with that is getting rid of the dead weight and finding more ways that you can connect with readers and network with other authors. If you Mm -hmm. can free up some time by not doing the things that aren't, you know, moving the needle, moving the train, whatever analogy that you want to use, whatever, you know, you want to say, um, and you can spend more time and find more ways to connect with readers and network because I love networking with other authors and maybe even taking a conference or two next year. That mm-hmm. is really, really, that is time well spent. And, you know, again, uh, uh, Amy can tell you, I hope Amy never writes her memoirs because, oh my gosh, but <laughs> Amy can tell you that she and I have hard conversations about things that I am so enamored with that she's like, Penny, these are not working, right? This is not, and we have this conversation. So, and I'm just going to be like full disclosure because apparently that's, I did this on the last podcast. Apparently that's just what I do now. Um, We had an Amazon, we had a series of Amazon videos that we did. And the Amazon videos were like each video and they kind of went in conjunction with my book and each video was an teaching you how to optimize on Amazon. And it was a series of, I forget now, it was 26 or 30 videos, something like this, quite a few of them. And Mm -hmm. the idea in theory was great, right? So you pair it with the book, you sell the book, you sell the videos. And I'm like, and of course I get really excited about these ideas and I love teaching. So it also kind of fell, like it seemed um, on on the surface, it seemed to really check all boxes. Mm -hmm. But the problem with these, some of these things, right, is that they require a lot of time, much like I used the example early on in the show, the newsletter that gets sent once a week versus once a month. They require a lot of time and a lot of your investment for some return, but not necessarily the kind of return that lines up to your goals, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I think it was last year, Amy was like, we have to get rid of these. Because the other piece of it too is that the videos, obviously, much like every time Amazon makes changes, the videos get out of date. So Mm -hmm. I would have to go in and update the videos. Not that I minded necessarily doing that, but sometimes, you know, you got to find the time to do it and then you have to upload it. And then by the time you upload it, then something else on Amazon changes. And so you're constantly sort of chasing this idea when really it was just dead weight. And Mm -hmm. you, you have this, there's a great saying, and I can't think of it right now, but Um, some people call it like throwing good money after bad. And it wasn't necessarily bad money because I think people really enjoyed it and we sold some of it. But it was really, sometimes it's hard to step away from something that has been a big investment, whether it's time or money, right? 
for you because you feel like, well, I've invested so much. I have to stay Mm -hmm. with this. I mean, this is kind of like, this like goes back to like my, like my dating days. Like I'd be just be like, but I've spent so much time with this loser. I have to keep dating him. And someday, someday he'll change. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's kind of, it's a little bit, right. Amy, it's a little bit kind of in that vein. Right. And I think Penny, you bring up a really good point about, you know, the dead weight and things that you have to move on from. And I think sometimes that can manifest itself in goals as well. Oh, yeah. Benchmarks that you're holding over yourself. Oh my gosh. Yes. That are not realistic for where you're at as an author right now. And we're not saying bash them all. It's never going to happen, but get rid of the dead weight of these just overreaching goals or benchmarks that you're putting on your book's success that are, you know, not encouraging you to do what you need to be doing. If they are, you know what I mean? If they're discouraging because you're not hitting that goal or you're not hitting those benchmarks, that absolutely is going to affect the other effort you're putting in, you know, and it's distracting you and taking up time from other things that could be so much more productive. Well, and also these crazy expectations, right? Yeah. Because if you're part of a lot of Facebook groups, and I, there are some Facebook groups that I, I really love, but you, some of these groups, you really have to take with a grain of salt. Like, well, I'm not doing as well as Sally, or I'm not doing as well as such and such. And I have to do, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you to lower the bar, like just, but make the, make it, make the bar more. <laughs> Sorry that now I'm also, I'm talking about a bar, make it, make it a little, make it a little bit more realistic. And, and I think that, that by the same token, this clean slate conversation also carries over to the books that you're promoting. So we did a show, I don't know, I think it was last, maybe it was last month or something. And we talked about how, you know, I mean, like if you have a lot of books out and maybe books in different genres, cause I know a lot of authors Sometimes authors don't want to just stay with one genre. Like I want to write children's books and I want to write cookbooks and I want to write, you know, blah, blah, on and on. And I've had authors ask me like, what book should I really stick with? Because now I have all these books and it's getting confusing and I don't know where to focus my energy. Your book will literally tell you what you need to focus on. I don't mean to sound that's like weird and woo woo, but (laughs) (laughs) I talked to an author who had a whole series of children's books that he really, really, really wanted to focus on for his grandkids, which I thought was an adorable thing, right? So his grandkids loved the books and grandpa wrote a book and it was awesome, right? But then he had these mystery, suspense mystery thrillers that he, they weren't throwaway books. I mean, he invested time and he got great covers for them and everything, but the the children's books because of his grandkids were really his focus. But his suspense thriller books did really, really well. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, now it's a really good conversation because your books are literally telling you what to focus on by, by the sales, by the reviews. And if you put more energy into these, not saying don't get rid of your children's books, you can still do them. But sometimes you have to pick, I hate to put it this way, but sometimes you have to pick your favorite child, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, and and I think that the end of the year is kind of a good time to sort of figure out you know, where you're going to, if you have a lot of books out, if you've written in different genres, where you're really going to focus your energy. Because the other thing that we see, Amy, too, is that authors who write in multiple genres, they're straddling a lot of fences and a lot of goals and a lot of action items. 
Yeah, it's 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 really an impossible pace to keep up. It is. Yeah, it it really is. So we hope that the show has been uh, helpful and insightful and maybe given you some new ideas to take into the new year. And um, we always welcome show ideas. In fact, we got a show idea recently from somebody. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for reviews. Um, Even those of you who review stuff were just like, well, I didn't like it when Penny and Amy said such and such. such." We love love a different perspective. So um, let us know what you think about the show. Send us show ideas. Leave us reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.